0: Love Talk Radio. <laughs>
1: It brings me great pain to announce that we have had three more deaths in Illinois associated with COVID-19. One was a Will County resident in his 50s, a second a Cook County resident in her 80s, and the third is a Florida resident who was visiting Sangamon County. My heart goes out to the family and the friends of these patients, and I feel like I can speak for all of Illinois when I say we offer them our collective strength at this time. May their memories be for a blessing. These moments will not get easier, nor should they. We are fighting this fight for every person in Illinois. We have all lost something today today, in addition to our Public Health Director, Dr. Engazi Azike, there are two new faces standing with me, Rob Carr, the President and CEO of the Illinois Retail Merchants Association, and Paula Basta, the Director of our Illinois Department on Aging. Ms. Basta is here because this virus can be very dangerous for older people, and it's my priority to ensure elderly Illinoisans feel as safe and secure as possible as we work together to respond to this crisis and to flatten the curve. I've asked her to speak to our seniors about how they can take care of themselves during this time. Our social distancing efforts are the most important thing that we can do to protect our seniors and to support our healthcare workers, but there are some essential things that everyone has to go out for. And while we encourage all our residents to help out their their elderly relatives and neighbors, we also want to make sure that our seniors aren't afraid to go out and to get the food and medicine that they need. With the help of the Illinois Retail Merchants Association, my staff and I convened grocery stores from across the state to identify and address the fears our more vulnerable populations might have about getting the supplies that they need. I'm proud to announce that the store owners across the state have been more than willing to offer special hours specifically for senior shoppers to come in and get their groceries without other shoppers present, so we can minimize risks to our seniors. This dedicated period will also feature heightened social distancing measures. That includes stores like Whole Foods and Shop and Save here in Chicago, Hy-Vee, and Valley Produce throughout Illinois, among many, many others, and you should contact your local store to find out what the hours are that they have reserved. Rob Carr from the Illinois Retail Merchants Association will be talking more about this initiative and how we're bringing it to as many stores as possible across the state of Illinois. We want our seniors to know that we're taking special care to keep them safe and to do everything that we can to help them through this very challenging time. We're also working hard to ensure that all our residents are able to get as many of the healthcare services that they need, even from the safety of their own homes. So today I'm signing an executive order significantly expanding telemedicine for both Medicaid and those who are private insured. This order will allow more providers to get reimbursed for these services and allow patients more flexibility and safety in getting the medical guidance and care that they need. I also have a special request to doctors who may be listening. I want to make sure that every provider in this state is operating with the latest health information and best practices regarding COVID-19 and other emergency public health responses. Here in Illinois, our emergency notification tool is called SIREN. If you're a doctor, take it upon yourself to sign up for our emergency notification tool, sending your name and email to dph.siren.com. Dot dot Again, that's dph.siren at illinois.gov. Or you can go to the website for SIREN, which is siren.illinois.gov. Every doctor in the state should do this now. Our small businesses are already hurting, and the root of that pain isn't going to go away anytime soon. I'm pleased to announce, however, today that my administration is offering relief to more than 20,000 small and medium-sized bars and restaurants all across Illinois by allowing a two-month delay in sales tax payments to the state and to local jurisdictions, and we're waiving late filing fees and interest starting tomorrow, Friday, March 20th. Second, as of today, Illinois small businesses from every county in Illinois are now eligible to apply for low-interest coronavirus disaster assistance loans of up to $2 million. I want to thank our federal officials, especially Senator Durbin and Senator Duckworth, for helping to push this through the Congress for us. For all Illinois small businesses, if you want to apply for these low-interest loans, You can find more information at disasterloan.sba.gov. Moving on to discuss our increasing number of COVID-19 cases in Illinois. As Dr. Ezekiel will announce in just a few moments, our total case count continues to grow exponentially. Understand that our reports of case count will not abate soon. For now, this is because we're doing more testing in Illinois. As of yesterday, we were able to do more than 1,000 tests statewide, and in just a few days, we'll be increasing that to more than 2,000 tests per day. These tests are only discovering people who already have the virus. I know people are looking at other countries and even cities and jurisdictions around the United States and seeing the numbers rise significantly everywhere. But as we take action, we're initiating a process that is intended to bend the curve. Earlier this week, I activated the first members of the Illinois National Guard missioned to join the fight against COVID-19. In total, the Guard is a force of really extraordinary citizens, but They would call themselves ordinary citizens, but they're 13,000 strong, committed to amazing work, and they bring to our preparations key capabilities in logistics, in transportation, and even medical specialties. In the short term, the Guard will be working to support our efforts to set up mobile testing units, allowing us to expand testing while ensuring that those tests can be administered in the safest possible way. The Guard is also doing critical work planning for the weeks and months ahead, including expanding our healthcare capacity by potentially refitting and reopening previously closed hospitals. We have to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. We have to slow the number of new cases and ensure our hospitals and our healthcare workers have the capacity and the resources to treat those who are sick. We have to flatten the curve. My team and I are working day and night, closely considering every option on the table to do this. We've seen measures adopted in other countries, as well as places in the United States, like San Francisco, and we're looking at every aspect of those steps to understand how best to keep Illinoisans safe. As always, we will share more with you as we know it, but I want to address some of the rumors that have been running around. Essential services will not close. Interstates, highways, and bridges will stay open. Grocery stores, pharmacies, gas stations, these sources of fundamental supplies will continue to operate. There is no need to run out and hoard food, gas, or medicine. Buy what you need within reason. There is enough to go around as long as people do not hoard. We will never shut these services down. And please, let's all remember that these essential institutions don't run on their own. The cashiers, the gas station attendants, the truckers, the pharmacists, the delivery workers, the sanitation workers, these are all people who keep our state on track. So please, take every opportunity that you can to demonstrate your gratitude to them. Perhaps most importantly, there are some true heroes among us in this crisis. Our doctors, our registered nurses, our nurse practitioners, our hospital workers, our health care center operators, and our first responders. These are people who leave their families every day and expose themselves to the risks of COVID-19 by treating patients, more and more of whom are presenting with symptoms. Our healthcare workers and our first responders are the very best among us. And they deserve all the acts of kindness that we can muster. So your friend, the doctor, your neighbor, the nurse, see if they could use a helping hand. I promise you that it will mean more to them than you could ever know. Thank you. And now I'd like to turn it over today to our director of the Illinois Department of Public Health, Dr. Ngazi Azike.
2: Thank you, Governor. And again, I just, I thank you for your amazing leadership. He is passionate about caring for the people of Illinois and there's an outstanding team of people who are standing behind him. I am saddened to announce that three more individuals in Illinois have lost their life. These individuals, as was mentioned, were residents from Will County, Cook County, and a visitor in Sangamon County. Unfortunately, we do anticipate additional deaths. We continue to issue the guidance. Please, everyone, stay home as much as possible so we can reduce the number of people who are infected, which will reduce the number of people who get serious illness, which will reduce the number of people who will lose their life. This coronavirus is an equal opportunity virus, no respecter of age, person, um, zip code, gender, it can infect anyone and even healthy people. Initial information from other countries did indicate that older individuals were at greater risk for severe illness, but there is data of younger people having severe complications. Overall we have 422 cases in 22 counties across Illinois. The number of cases is rising exponentially. With increasing laboratory testing in IDPH labs, as well as in the commercial labs and the hospital labs, we did expect to see this rise. As you test more, you will identify more. Because testing is becoming more available, IDPH will be able to prioritize testing for our most vulnerable populations. Testing will be performed for individuals who are part of a cluster of confirmed cases or possible cases among those who work or live in a residential congregate setting such as the nursing homes. Testing at the IDPH labs will also be prioritized for, people, for hospitalized patients with unexplained pneumonia who are from a residential congregate setting serving vulnerable populations. Long-term care facilities such as nursing homes with confirmed cases will increase the monitoring of those individuals and take aggressive infection control measures. However, testing of all individuals is not indicated. We will not recommend tests for every single resident or staff of a, of a long-term care facility. Rather, We will take all the precautions necessary, and as soon as any staff or resident develops symptoms, they will be isolated and treated. If they are showing symptoms, whether they've been tested or not, they will get the same treatment and the same appropriate measures will be taken to care for them. Patients who do not fall into one of these categories for testing can seek care for their health care provider who can then move on forward with the testing at a commercial or a hospital laboratory. We do see spread of this disease amongst our com- across our communities, and these numbers are concerning, but it, it's not expected, and the more robust information we can gather, that will allow us to better understand and track the size and scope of this outbreak, and then strengthen prevention and response efforts. I want to ask everyone to continue to do their part to help break the cycle of spread. It really will take each of us, making our individual sacrifices, our household sacrifices and our community sacrifices, to reduce the spread of the virus and free up our health care system for our most vulnerable. Let's all do our part to make sure that lives are saved. Thank you. And now I'll summarize the comments in, in Spanish. Hola, me llamo Esungosi Esique y soy la directora del Departamento de Salud Pública aquí en Illinois. Con gran tristeza, estamos anunciando que otros tres residentes de Illinois con la enfermedad COVID-19 han muerto. Estas personas eran residentes del condado de Will, un hombre de 50 años, una mujer del condado de Cook de 80 años y una mujer de 70 años de fuera del estado que estaba en el condado de Sangamon. Sabíamos que iba a ocurrir más muertes. Esta noticia nunca es fácil. Pedimos a todos que, por favor, se queden en casa cuando sea posible. Queremos reducir la cantidad de personas infectadas. Este virus puede infectar a todos, incluso a personas de buena salud. Como menciona el gobernador, ahora tenemos 422 casos en 22 condados en todo Illinois. El número de casos de COVID-19 está creciendo rápidamente. Con las pruebas en los laboratorios de IDPH y los laboratorios comerciales y hospitales, esperamos ver este aumento en los casos. Debido a que las pruebas están cada vez más disponibles en laboratorios comerciales y hospital- hospitalarios, IDPH priorizara las pruebas para nuestras poblaciones más vulnerables. Estamos obligando a hacer pruebas en asilos de ancianos cuando hay dos o más casos confirmados de enfermedad por coronavirus. Las pruebas en los laboratorios de IDPH también serán priorizadas para pacientes hospitalizadas con neumonía. Pacientes que no caen en estas categorías deben buscar atención con su doctor Ellos determinarán seguir adelante con las pruebas en un laboratorio comercial o hospital. El crecimiento de casos refleja una rápida transmisión de COVID-19 entre las comunidades. Quiero pedirles a todos que hagan su parte y nos ayuden a romper el ciclo de transmisión. Realmente todos tenemos que hacer este, estos sacrificios para resistir la transmisión de COVID-19 y liberar nuestro sistema médica para atender a los que más lo necesitan. Gracias. And with that, I will turn it over to Director Basta of the Department of Aging for comments.
0: Good afternoon. I would first like to take a moment to thank Governor Pritzker and Dr. Ngaze Azique for everything they are doing to keep our older Illinoisans safe during this evolving situation. I also applaud the idea of the special senior hours at grocery stores, which are meant to provide a safer environment for our older customers. Our older consumers on a fixed income or who have underlying health conditions do not need one more thing to worry about when it's time for them to go to the store to purchase essential supplies. As we know, older adults are among the populations at the highest risk becoming seriously ill from COVID-19 coronavirus. Our primary concern, as always, is for the health, safety, and welfare of our older population. And to this end, I would like to reiterate to our older Illinoisans that they are not alone. We all must be proactive here. To that end, we have made tough decisions like temporarily suspending group services at our adult and daycare senior centers, where older adults regularly congregate for social interaction but would have put them at higher risk. So we have increased our one-on-one in-home services. Our goal has been to limit the exposure to the virus in older adults while also increasing the ability to closely monitor their well-being. We have taken guidance from the Illinois Department of Public Health, our sister agency, regarding the screening tool and the process we use so that both our in-home workers and our older adults that they care for are safe when they do their work. And the agencies in our network and our entire aging network are using this screening tool as part of any protocol where face-to-face contact with older adults and more vulnerable adults occurs. The Illinois Department on Aging and our 13 area, area agencies on aging along with our 46 care coordination units are working around the clock to ensure that the services we provide, specifically the in-home services and the home delivered meals program that our seniors depend on will not be interrupted during the situation. We have been supplying our Area Agencies on Aging and our CCUs with Emergency Assistance Service Grants to assist them with unmet needs. And we are anticipating that the demand, of course, for home-delivered meals will grow exponentially. We have also been working with the State Emergency Operations Center and we have activated our state's volunteer network to address the needs of our most vulnerable residents, specifically for food and medicine. The Voluntary Organization in Active Disasters has a proven track record of rising to the occasion when our nation is in need. Our Illinois team is assembling volunteers and putting in place the proper safeguards to address this ever-evolving situation and getting our area agencies on aging the boots on the ground that they need to make this happen. So if you are an older family member, if you have a friend, if you're a neighbor, if there is anyone who needs any kind of assistance, please know we are here to help you. Call your local area agency on aging. And so let me tell you how you can do that. You can look up your area agency on aging by going to our website, www.illinois.gov aging or by calling our senior helpline 1-800-252-8966 or sending us an email aging.ilsenior at illinois.gov finally i would like to encourage healthy adults to find a creative way in the form of non-face contact non-face-to-face contact to communicate with our older adults during this time to monitor their older family members, their friends, their neighbors, who are practicing social distancing. Older adults will experience even more social isolation during this time because they are unable to get out to their normal activities or go to the places they congregate for fellowship. Showing genuine interest in others, sharing positive news, bringing up memories and through simply doing a phone call can enhance our relationships. And in times like this, it's essential that we support one another and show compassion to those who need it. I like to call it using compassionate common sense. So thank you again to everyone who continues to assist with our mission of aging in place. We are always here to support our older adults today as well as tomorrow. Thank you. And now I'd like to invite Rob Carr up from the Illinois Retail Merchants Association
3: To the podium thank you thank you director and on behalf of the industry i represent i'd like to also extend our condolences to our fellow citizens uh, to the families of the fellow citizens uh, both in illinois and across the nation who we've lost this uh, pandemic to date Um, governor i'd also like to start by thanking you uh, your senior staff your entire administration for their cooperation, uh, inclusiveness and communication throughout the crisis that we face to date. Uh, I've been at this over 25 years and I've never seen the level of responsiveness and cooperation uh, from top to bottom as everyone has teamed together to try to remove the, remove the obstacles uh, that we can help, uh, that are in our way to help make the lives uh, better for uh, all of our citizens. Um, we are pleased, uh, The retail industry is pleased to support the governor's call for senior hours Many of the uh, grocers had had already begun to implement, but many, many more have been added. Um, Our list has grown from just over a page to uh, four pages and counting uh, just within the last 24 hours. Uh, Citizens who wish to uh, check on that list can do so at our website, www.irma.org. It will also be on our social media channels. And grocers and, frankly, other retailers who wish to be added to that list can email us, and we'll be happy to uh, add them as well. And then finally, Governor, I'd also like to thank you for the uh, concerns you're showing uh, for the small employers throughout the state as well as their employees who are among the many who are bearing the burdens uh, and and the brunt of uh, the necessary decisions that you and others have had to make. And so we appreciate uh, your leadership on this, and we look forward to continuing to help you. And with that, uh, I refer it back to uh, uh, Governor Pritzker.
1: Thank you, Happy to uh, take any questions. I want to remind you today that we've got uh, reporters that are actually on a teleconference line. They have the ability to ask questions over that teleconference. I'm going to ask my press secretary, Jordan Abadea, to um, uh, run that process for us, if you would. It's our first time trying this, so uh, bear with us. So we're
4: going to start with the reporters in the room, and then we'll go to the reporters on the line. Yeah.
1: Um, I'll turn it over to the to Dr. Ezekiel to talk about the nursing home uh, patients or yeah. residents, rather.
2: So yes, we, without getting into specific,
3: on slide?
2: without getting into specific details, yes, we have had additional nursing home residents that have been in these counts, and so uh, again, attend, a specific attention has been veered towards them with aggressive. Um, with aggressive uh, monitoring of their situation and uh, intensive um, measures that we talked about before, the pre-shift assessments for all the staff that come to work every single shift, as well as the visitor restrictions which may r- remain in place. Are
4: there cases yesterday? were yesterday,
3: there
2: any more cases added to, at that um, On that home, I don't think there were any individual um, so cases. Thank you. you.
3: Any of the fatalities were they nursing home residents? The that, that new fatalities are the two
2: them. No, none of none of these fatalities were associated with the nursing home. Thank you.
3: And Governor, are you are you looking at any kind of shelter in place, uh, wider shelter in place for the state? And and also, if Indiana has extended school closures to May first. Uh, are you considering something that uh, here? What should parents be thinking about in terms of April?
1: As I've said uh, at most of our press conferences, uh, you know I'm looking at all of these things literally every day. We're contemplating what are the moves that we need to take based upon the guidance that we're given. Um, I know that there are uh, discussions at the federal level and, frankly, among the advisors that I have, who are some of the experts in the world that, that are here in Illinois. Uh, that that would guide to this is going to take longer than people have expected um, and so we're listening to that guidance and operating based upon that you know every day
3: Any eventual closures that ever
1: go? we again uh, you know I think that obviously we've set a, a deadline uh, you know, a date by which we think that uh, students would go back, but um, you know, I also think that parents should be contemplating the possibility that that might be extended.
2: Number of uh, cases total: 422. Is that right? 422. 422 cases. Press release says there are additional 136 cases.
3: 136 plus 288 to We will clarify
1: the number. If no, we'll, we'll make sure we get it right for you.
3: Can they start applying right away what needs to be shown in terms of losses and anticipate a turnaround time for actually getting money
1: at the website that that I uh, that I talked about a little earlier, that's where people will have the ability uh, to apply. And I don't want to go through the details of what they're requiring at, uh, at the SBA for those disaster loans. But um, but I would point out to you that um, as you can imagine, the restaurants and bar owners, you know, are suffering. We're only you know three days into the closure of the restaurants and bars and those folks are, you know, every day that's gone by, they've suffered losses, and as you know, that, that closure is uh, extended all the way to March 30, so, um, so people are going to have some significant losses. There are many restaurants that have... Uh, you know, under seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars of total revenue uh, during the course of a year and and you know profitability at restaurants varies but it it can be relatively low percentage profitability, and so people are truly suffering so uh, these sBA loans will be an enormous help to them, and i 'm grateful to the, our federal partners, especially our federal representatives, for getting this stuff right. Craig,
4: come on.
5: The Craig. Okay. Um, Governor what is the threshold, or what would officials need to see for you to actually make a judgment that a shelter-in-place uh, order were necessary?
1: Well, you know, what's interesting, Craig, I'm glad you asked the question of what, what are the triggers for us making decisions. Um, honestly, look, uh, my expertise is not as a scientist or as a doctor. And so epidemiologists, as well as those who are experts in public health, uh, are those who I rely upon both here in Illinois and there are we have some of the best in the world here in Illinois and I've also called others around the nation uh, so that I can better understand what are the things that they're looking at many of the people in this uh, field are very very concerned that the United States is not doing enough um, I think you've heard that on television, and we, you know, we've, when we talk about bending the curve, we, we say it like everybody understands, but what we're talking about is making sure that we don't end up in the situation that Italy is in. So when I make decisions about this, this is about how do we operate faster and better than Italy and than other s- countries that are, have seen this you know, grow exponentially for a very long period of time. Uh, and so we're we're trying to stay ahead, be ahead. The Illinois has been one of the first states to move on these things. Many other states have really followed by days after us. Uh, and I'm going to continue to listen to the experts to do the right thing. That The triggers are really in what the experts are seeing. And remember, there's another part of this. Because there's so few tests that have been done, even across the United States, we're really relying upon not only the tests that come in, but also the statisticians and mathematicians who are taking the test data and extrapolating from that what probably will happen based upon what's happened in so many other countries, even ones with very, uh, you know, advanced medical infrastructure and so that are very much like the United States. Jerry,
4: you're going to be the first person on the Jerry, phone to ask your question. To the, the to ask question.
1: Um, we're not hearing a question from Jerry.
4: Okay, we'll do Dan with the tribune. Okay, we'll do Dan with the tribune. Got it, thank you.
1: Is that, is that Dan? Dan Petrella,
0: you can ask your question. Dan Petrella, you can ask your question. Well, I, we can't really hear what's going on here. Has um, Somebody already asked
3: about filtering shelter in place.
1: Yes, um, uh, they have asked about shelter in place, so I won't repeat the answer, uh, but but suffice to say, we're we're evaluating every day.
4: Question for you then. Let me know
6: when you're ready for it.
1: I'm ready. Thank you.
6: Okay. Um, Can can you talk any more about the National Guard testing sites, where those will be, and how that will be conducted?
1: National Guard testing sites is the question uh, for those um, uh, in our audience online. Um, uh, We are working with the federal government. The federal government is standing up, by the way, uh, uh, drive-through testing. Uh, We haven't seen that yet in Illinois, but we we have drive-through testing, but it's not the federal government's version of that. Um, and so we hope to see that sometime soon. Uh, instead, we're uh, t- having our National Guard be part of efforts to f- to help hospitals and other healthcare centers uh, stand up those drive-through capabilities. Uh, so we'll be using National Guard to assist uh, other healthcare workers in that endeavor. Okay, Dave Dahl,
4: you're up now. Okay, Dave Dahl,
3: you're up now.
1: Dave Dahl. Okay, Tony Arnold, how about you? Okay, Tony
4: Arnold, how about you? Governor, I'm wondering um, about what guidance you can give to schools or parents for that matter about when they could expect students back in school.
1: Well, the guidance that we've given is that school would resume March 31st. There had been a question in the room for those who didn't hear on, on the telephone uh, about whether that might be extended. And, and the basic answer is that we're obviously evaluating that every day. I would say to parents that um, they should obviously be planning for the possibility uh, that, that there would be an extension of that date. But right now we're sticking with um, the uh, March 31st date.
0: Dana with CBS, you're up. Dana with CBS, you're up. Dana? Okay, thank you. Um, I have a question about the cases and the rise in cases, actually from someone on Twitter. Are the cases rising because they're, and being diagnosed because there's more testing, or is it because it is spreading more quickly, or both?
1: Right now, the case numbers are appearing to rise so rapidly uh, because we're testing more. We have increased testing substantially when we were beginning testing. We were at about two hundred. Uh, we were at about two hundred tests per day at the very beginning. We're now uh, over a thousand per day, um, and uh, we'll be increasing that to two plus thousand in the next few days. And then I believe we'll get to a number that's much higher than that in the days after that. Um, so that's why we're starting to see an increase in the number of positives. But no one should mistake that fact for the idea that we're not seeing an, a significant increase in the number of people who are contracting coronavirus, COVID-19, because that also is happening, and we know that in part because the work that the mathematicians, the statisticians are doing looks at where the cases are, how the cases are being um, uh, contracted by others, uh, and it's frankly um, four out of five uh, new cases that get Uh, uh, reported uh, nationally this is four out of five of these cases are people who contracted it from someone who had it but didn't know they had it and exposed other people to it so if you didn't know you had it well there are lots of people who have never been tested who have it and aren't showing symptoms who are carrying it around and giving it to other people. So we know this is growing substantially and until there are more and more tests, we will be you know, in this situation of just seeing the numbers rise because the testing is rising. We hope that there will be a cresting that you have seen frankly in Asia now, in some countries in Asia, there's been a cresting because they've implemented some of the measures that we have implemented here. We've done it earlier Uh, Here, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to see a lot of cases of COVID-19 and, frankly, more deaths. Brian Mackey
3: with NPR. Brian Mackey with NPR. Brian. I'm here. Hi there. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to ask, I heard you mention the National Guard potentially retrofitting and reopening some previously closed hospitals. Is that work underway? And in the more general way, what is Illinois doing on its own given what the federal government is not do, and make sure it has enough hospital bed
1: capacity and federal Thank you for asking. The question was about what we're doing to stand up more hospital hospital beds uh, and more capability to uh, serve patients across the state. Um, so first of all, we had to inventory what beds were available, what, what hospital rooms are available across the state, and what the expectation is about just the other cases. Remember, there are people who have heart attacks and have uh, you know, other injuries that they need to be treated for who are in the hospital and we'll, there will continue to be some of those too uh, so we, we're trying to project, we're looking at what's available now and then we're looking at all of the available other opportunities for us to increase uh, hospital beds Um, There are two types of uh, hospital beds that we're looking for. Uh, One is the, and I say beds, I mean rooms, uh, and and the ability to serve the people that are in those rooms. So two types. One is those who are COVID-19 positive, who need to be treated for COVID-19. And then there are those who have some other illness that they're in the hospital for, and they will need a bed. And we're trying hard to uh, stand up more of both of those types of beds. The more that we can alleviate the existing infrastructure of uh, non-COVID-19, the more likely we are to be able to serve the vastly increasing population of those who are uh, tested positive for COVID-19. So uh, so we are, as I say, we're reopening hospitals. Um, we're looking at all the hospitals uh, right now, inventorying how, to reopen them. So we've got people on site in many cases uh, looking at, you know, remember there's plant and equipment that you have to turn on. It isn't just as easy as turning the lights on. Uh, and then we've also got to have the healthcare personnel to move into those hospitals to make sure that we're serving uh, people properly. And then there are existing surge centers and other places that have uh, the potential to provide uh, beds for for people that that aren't normally places that would just accept a COVID 19 or other uh, kind of a patient. So uh, we're again outfitting those folks, but but they also have nurses uh, and doctors that are on staff, and so they have a little more capability to begin with uh, altogether. So we're we're working hard with all the hospitals too, and you know that um, you know we we no longer have. Uh, uh, elective surgeries going into our hospitals so that alleviates many of the beds Uh, it also frankly puts a financial burden on the hospitals themselves who you know subsidize other care by doing elective surgeries often so um, anyway that's that's a lot of what we're looking at and we're going to continue to look at even more uh, expansion that may include things like literally building a field hospital um, in Illinois and in various places, um, we're also looking at how do you alleviate some of the intake that goes on at a hospital for people who really don't need a bed. Sometimes they, they are put in a bed anyway, to you know, or were a month ago or two months ago. How do we alleviate some of that? Who could really convalesce, for example, at home uh, and not be in the hospital? Um, and just evaluating, you know, what, what what does that look like? How do we encourage that? Hi,
0: Governor. Thanks for taking my call. Um, So, we keep hearing that Governor Cuomo seems to talk to President Trump every day. I'm wondering, have you talked to the President one-on-one, and if not, why? And if yes, what have you talked about?
1: Well, the federal government, the question was, do I talk to the president f- as frequently as Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York? Um, you know, the reason that the, the, that the president uh, talks to uh, certain state governors more than others uh, is because that's where the bulk of the cases are, right? In New York uh, and Washington, for example, as a percentage of their population, um, they are seeing a lot of cases and, and frankly, a lot of deaths. Um, And so I believe that that's, you know, how the president may have prioritized his time. Um, I have the ability at any time to reach out to the president. He has offered that to me directly. Um, I have talked more often with the vice president. Uh, This is now I I don't know the number of times now, but but several uh, times directly. But I also want to point out to you that. Many of the people who work under them and really in the agencies, I'm talking about the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, the Secretary of Homeland Security. Those are people that I talk to uh, more regularly anyway because uh, they're on the ground, at least closer to being on the ground and delivering what we need. Because, uh, you know, this is it's it's uh, sometimes an order or, a, a, you know, a, 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 a somebody at the top says something. I'm talking about the president, or the vice president, um, and then it goes through a bureaucracy and takes too long. Uh, sometimes that happens. And so I, in many cases, have just called directly to the person who's in charge of the thing that we need in order to get it. So uh, I've been willing, you know, I don't need to wait to talk to the president. I'd rather just go get the job done
7: truly for birds Thank you cover of this card along with achievement congratulations that you know everybody your expectations. The George Wilder Junior show is now on the air you are. Calling it the COVID 19 virus. And it is really, really um, serious. Schools will stay closed until April 20th. That's the schools in Illinois. Libraries are closing for a few days. Uh, You know, Ford is halting uh, production on its cars. This is very serious. Um, If schools are closed, Illinois schools are closed, grammar schools, high schools, maybe some city colleges. If they're closed, where are the kids going to go? They just can't be roaming the streets, right? Where are the kids going to go? But I understand that the libraries are just going to be temporary. They may be closed for a few days to fumigate uh, the place. But this is very serious, schools closing. I've never heard of that, but I'm hearing of it now. Home builders are halting production of um, homes.
8: Truck drivers delivering food—they're having problems.
7: This is a mess. <laughs> getting food to the stores—they're having problems. You know, uh, luckily gas prices are getting lower. Gas prices are tumbling like crazy. The stock market is up a little bit. Uh, but that's not, that's no concession for the people who have lost tons and tons of money, investors who have lost tons and tons of money into the stock market uh, because it's tumbled so badly the last few days. And you just feel sorry for those people who are in those 401Ks. They have either lost everything or just about lost everything. And that's why the government is stepping in to um, – to try to uh, alleviate some of the pain that a lot of uh, businesses are having, workers are having, everybody all right, is having, and I have to say, you ha- you have to really give it up for the healthcare workers because they are under tremendous tremendous amount of work, tremendous amount of stress. You got to give it to them, and and that I give you a lot of credit, believe it or not, because I know you're out there. Uh, in the trenches and uh, we want to give our, um, medical professions all the help that they get because we have to support them no matter what alright you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. show Um, something keeps popping up on my screen you know it just jumps up there you know while you're, <laughs> you're trying to uh, say what you have to say and uh it, basically it's just saying the publicans are shitholes and what can you say? And that's all it's basically saying. If you read it, but the, the, this virus is like nothing I've ever seen, nothing has anybody's ever seen. It it looks like a bad B movie, you know, like Godzilla or something. It's just a bad B movie. But it's happening for real. It's you know, it's reality. And um every time you hear about Hollywood actors uh, uh, Hollywood is being affected by this. There's being no movie being produced right now because of this. Because when you're making a movie or you, you, know, you get a great big production, what are you going to have? You're going to have lots of people. Gathering. Lots of people being around each other, actors and stuff. Reading scripts and stuff like that. Uh, rehearsing. That's nil. That's over. And I could just feel the calamity at the box office when the movies start to the movies that are already been made that are already in production, the movies that are already ready to be uh put into the excuse me put into the theaters. This is going to be something because a lot of the theaters are closed. A lot of the theaters. This is gonna hurt Hollywood, and I know. Trump doesn't give a damn about Hollywood because they don't give a damn about him. So this is gonna wreak grave losses at the box. I mean, losses like never before. And and if this thing is ever contained, the movie industry is still gonna die. A horrible death. That is no lie. They. And they know it, I'm pretty sure now the movie industry is uh shut down a lot of productions, movie production, television, stage plays, and all this kind of stuff, and that's gonna wreak havoc on those on writers also such as myself, you know because we live for this, right We live to get our books out there, our screenplays out there, and the actors they live to. Get our screenplay so they can make them into movies, but that's not happening. This is really bad for that. And you got hotels and casinos closing down, closing up. This is gonna. As I've said before, and and a lot of us know that Trump has went bankrupt six times in his business career. He's been bankrupt. Now, he's tanking our economy. Tanking our economy. So, this will be the seventh time he, whatever he is in control of, it sinks. He's got his hand on the United States, we're sinking down. And a lot of this, believe it or not, can be contributed to him. My Because he and his goons did not listen when people were trying to tell him this was coming. What did he do? What did he say? He called this a hoax. He called it a democratic hoax, and then
8: he just said, fuck off. We're
7: losing because of Donald Trump. The man has been bankrupt six times on his way to the seventh time. He's going to bankrupt us. The United States. This is what's happening. This is what's going
8: on. And I,
7: I want to tell people, hey, wow! Listen to your governors, listen to your uh, mayors, and and other leaders in your state. But do not listen to Donald Trump, even if he says he's going to pay everybody. Only reason why he's paying people is because he wants you to vote for him. He thinks this is you, he gives you a $1,500 check. He thinks you're going to go out there and pull the lever for him. No way, no how. And he really doesn't want to do this. He'd rather for that money to go in his pocket, in his bank account. The thing about it, the money that he's distributing or will be distributing or proposing to distribute. It's our money. It's tax money. He's just giving us back what we done paid into the system. It's not like he's coming out of his pocket. Sometimes he acts as if it's coming out of his pocket. This is is something he's personally doing for us, giving us a check to help us, you know, pay the bills, uh, uh, get back on our feet until the economy is up and going, which I don't think it's going to ever be. I mean, it's going to take decades and decades, like I I think I've written, decades and decades to get out of this, to get out of the mess that he put us in. Trump has damaged this country like I don't know what, cutting all kinds of budgets. He's cutting all kinds of budgets. Anything that he can see that that people are um, benefiting from, he's
8: going to cut. Cut, 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 cut. Cut,
7: cut, cut. But he really wants, folks. I'm going to tell you what he really wants. He wants food stamps and he wants social security. So he can give it to his buddies, his boons, his thugs. He wants to cut social security so bad he could taste it. But if he does that, he would have to have Uh, Republicans across the board. When I say across the board, I mean the House of Representatives, the Senate, the White House. And that does not seem likely. If the Republicans ran the House of Representatives right now, if they ran the House of Representatives right now, we would be fucked. Because you would have the Senate full of Republicans, the House of Representatives full of Republicans. You would have a White House with a Republican president. And we will be Doomed. But the the thank God we have a democratic House of Representatives can that can put a halt to some of his shit. You know, not everything, not everything, but to sort of the most essential things like Social Security and, and, and military, put a halt to some of his crap. But not everything, you know. So I do think And a lot of us think that he will not win in September. I mean, in November. If he does win in November, we can still impeach him because we will have the Senate. We will have the Senate. The Democrats will have the Senate. The Democrats will have the House of Representatives. And they could vote him out on his ass.
8: And he knows it. If
7: the Senate, if if he wins, and we both, and we have a, the, the Democrats take the Senate, the Democrats take the uh, House of Representatives, he can still be voted out on his ass. But I think that he's going to be voted out on his ass by the American people. So we won't have to go through that impeachment again because he will be voted out on his ass. He's totally incompetent. He's stupid. He's sick. He's stupid. He's silly. He's arrogant. He's an ignoramus. And he keeps on being those things. He doesn't stop. Oh yeah, I forgot one thing. He's the biggest liar in the world for a president. This man lies every time his lips move. He's lying because he'll say something nice, and he he'll be in the moment, then the next day or the next minute. He's saying something different, as if he didn't say what he said five minutes ago. Some people are saying he can't really remember what he says after he said (laughs) at least about five minutes apart. cannot remember anything. But he knows one one of the things Donald Trump knows, he knows he wants to fuck people. He knows he wants to hurt American people, the American people. He wants to hurt us, cutting food stamps. Cutting everything that he thinks that we desire, cutting Social Security, Medicare. Some in some cases he doesn't want to cut these things. He wants to eliminate them and take that money and give it to Sean Hannity and the rest of them and the rest of the Republicans out there. As I said two or three years ago on the show, it's it's Robin Hood in reverse. Is taking money from the poor and giving to the rich. And these assholes, they have no shame in doing that. No shame. Uh, it's just crazy, folks, the way things are happening. Uh, Hollywood actors coming out saying they're, they have been tested for the coronavirus or either COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of them uh testing positive. They say, wash your hands, stay away from big crowds, stay home. And a lot of people are staying home, but they're hurt. And that's one of the things I, I, I know for a fact. People are just hurting and suffering. People are just hurting and suffering and suffering and hurting. There is no doubt about it and we are here to try to help those people. We want to help them. I'm here to help them, to let them know what their um, state officials are saying for them to stay Stay home if you don't have to go out. Do not hoard food. Do not hoard gasoline, uh, because we're not running short on any of those supplies. They may be not in the store at the moment, but we're not running short. We just got to make sure that the stores, the distributors get food out to the store, get supplies out, and they have to actually, the officials have to actually watch some of these store managers, some of these store supervisors, some of these corporations over these stores, like these and, and, and Whole Foods and stuff like that, to keep them from raising prices astronomically, just taking advantage of this crisis. Uh, you don't raise your prices. I mean, if a, somebody's going to get a loaf of bread and costs uh, two dollars, the next thing you go back, a loaf of bread costs forty-nine dollars. That's the kind of uh, price gouging that a lot of the officials are trying to prohibit and trying to watch. You know, so uh, schools to close. Uh, that that was uh, at the beginning of the show. That was Governor uh, Prisker. He was like. So many other governors of their states, he's giving us assessment of this coronavirus and, and trying to get people to do the right thing um, by it. Car production, halting for car production, producing cars, it's a shame. Trains are, trains are still running. Uh, at least some of the subway trains are and people are still out there on the road not because they want to be, it's because they have to be. Some people really, really cannot stay home from work as long. They got bills. They'll be evicted. Yeah, and that's another thing that I like about what some of the people are saying in the city of Chicago is for landlords not to evict people who are behind in their bills and uh, stuff like that. Um, Um... I have to throw them out because of, because of this virus. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's bad. Even the census, the 2020 census, uh, they're proposing, they want you to do the census online. They're saying that they're suspended for now, for about two weeks, of field operations. So if anybody, if you have a computer and you can do it online, if you can make it to the library, do it online, they would prefer you to do it there. And all of those field jobs, which were, what, $29 an hour, they say they will start that back up, but maybe in about two weeks from now. Two weeks from now would be maybe uh, around uh, April 1st or the first week of April. And... uh, it's just bad. We just have to sit back and hunker it out. I mean, you can go out. you know, If you want to take a 30-minute, 15-minute, 30-minute walk, you can go out. It's an air. You know, but just stay away from, from crowds. Everybody uh, is told that. I mean, if when I go out, when we go out, I see a lot of people with masks on their face. They got gloves on. Their, ah, I don't want to touch you. Ah, Frankenstein. Um, A lot of people have their have a mask on their face, leather gloves, latex gloves. (laughs) They don't want to touch anybody. It's madness. It's madness. But I don't think it's that dramatic. But what we're trying to do is stop the spread of this thing. Stop the spread of this virus. It it is devastating. Okay, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and we're talking about COVID-19. And once again, I say I respect all the nurses. All, excuse me. I I respect all the nurses out there, especially the nurses practitioners. I know they're doing a hell of a job trying to keep this thing under wraps. Uh, and so my support is out to you. Goes out to you. Goes out to you, everywhere. Okay, we'll be right back. If we can find something to play, we're going to take a musical break. Then we will be right back. This thing is really serious. Wow. Uh, if you're thinking about the Je- Jesse Smollett case, well, uh, Kim Fox has been reelected. Even though I was not about to vote for her, she is, but her opponent is a lot worse. Her opponent was a guy who was running as a Democrat, he was running as a Democrat, but he was a Republican trying to sneak his ass in. Uh, that is the, one of the reasons why a lot of people voted for her. A lot of, we didn't think that she was up and up on anything. Uh, we thought that she was corrupt. She was a liar. She was a thug. But she was a lot better than putting in a and that's what's going on around the United States. you got Republicans who know they can't win with a label like that. So they Tell everybody that they're that they're um, Democrat, but he was found out, and good for that. He was found out, and um, he's out of there. He's out of there. He's out of a job, and he know, and he knows now what what why he was not voted in. He never denied being affiliated with Trump. He never de- denied uh accepting Republican money. He never denied that. Alright, we'll be right back, folks. Here is a musical break. Stay tuned, stay there.
5: This week, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that workers cannot file lawsuits against employers for stealing their wages, and instead, they have to go in front of a panel of corporate-friendly arbitrators that are always handpicked by the corporation. This story's been kicking out there for a long time. I mean, this is—you've got um, you've got a labor policy that makes it virtually impossible for individuals to sue their employers. In other words, an employee literally steals money from. Them. They do it all kinds of ways. They make them work during break times. They don't pay them for overtime. They've got all kinds of scams. We, we've we seen every iteration you can imagine from this. So the, no question that the Supreme Court knows that goes on because they've seen these cases. They've seen the facts straight up. They know the facts of McDonald's. They know the facts of, I mean, I could go on forever. These in, These industries that uh, Walmart, uh, all, all of the companies that have these scams where they virtually steal money from employers. No sense, no difference in them going into their locker and taking money right out of their locker. But we have a Supreme Court that says, well, gee whiz, we shouldn't be able to allow them to go in force in a class action mode and say, you know, you stole stolen from us. We want our money back. What what is your take on this case? What's interesting about this case is that it
6: really does bring to light two important issues that people often gloss over. One is the wage theft issue, and the other is the forced arbitration, both of which are huge problems for consumers that, honestly, until the Supreme Court case came out, I don't think I've heard anybody in the corporate media ever talk about this. We have talked about wage theft, you and I, for years now. And we know how it works. As you said, they don't pay them overtime. They make them work off the clock. They uh, uh, reclassify them is one of the big things they do. They'll say, well, you're actually, even though you work and you do the same job as somebody else, you're a manager, even though you have no authority. So therefore, you are not entitled to any overtime pay whatsoever. Just
5: weird little tricks like that. Let's talk about why the networks, the corporate networks, MSNBC, for example, they got caught. I mean, they got. Yeah. They had people working for nothing. Oh, come work with Rachel Maddow and Joe Scarborough, and we're gonna, we're not gonna pay you. <laughs> uh, we're really not gonna benefit your career, but come work with us. And they had these kids working, I mean, crazy hours for nothing. And so that would be an, that would be an, an issue that they certainly wouldn't do a story on, and they certainly did know stories on that type of thing. <laughs> so there, there's that part of it, and as you point out, the arbitration. Uh, this arbitration black hole yeah. that's developing across the board. Uh, you know, it, first of all, explain arbitration a little bit. I know you've written a couple of stories on it. It is just nothing but a black hole for consumers. Right. What it means is you know,
6: whether it's with an employment contract or a cell phone or credit card, home loan, you agree to go, instead of being able to sue, you're giving away your constitutional rights, you have to go in front of this arbitrator. Who is the sole decider of this case? Whatever that person says, and this arbitrator, in almost every instance, when you sign the clause, is picked by the
5: company. Yeah, over se- statistically, more than seventy percent of the time, the consumer is going to lose.
6: Well, ninety percent now. The latest it, number is right it, in. at ninety. It, yeah,
5: well, w- when you just looked at across the board consumer issues, it was seventy percent. Right. Now it's moved to ninety yeah. percent. It's going to get worse. But wh- what ends up happening is they find these uh, they find these trolls. They find these, uh, these characters that come out of industry that maybe worked for them in the past, or they go to universities and they get these, these professors that are making $150,000 a year, and they want to make $400,000 a year, so they get on the arbitration train. And it's nothing, but a, it's nothing but a food train for these bottom feeders. They truly are bottom feeders. If you take a look at most of their careers, their career is over. They have no other options except to be an arbitrator. And so the industry ends up paying them a lot of money. And of course, they're going to rule for industry every time. So in this case, in this case the, 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 the point is this. An individual cannot go toe-to-toe with a corporation by themselves right. in a case like wage theft. If they've only had $20,000 stolen from them, it's going to cost them two hundred thousand dollars to go to war. Right. So what was in place was class action, where you could have twenty of them get together, thirty of them, a hundred of them get together, and all say, "We're going to do this together. We're going to bring class action against you." That that the economy of scale made sense then. It actually worked, and so the Supreme Court did the bidding of corporations again. The same, you know, the same folks that right. you imagine.
7: it's time to take this virus serious it's time to take it seriously if you're not don't try to hide from it don't try to pretend it doesn't exist don't try to dodge and duck and stick your head in the sand this is real this is real take all kinds of precautions that your state or your city is telling you to take this is real I walk in the store today. Every day, I walk, the shelves are more emptier. But we are not—we're uh, not in a food shortage or or product or service shortage. It's just that people are just trying to make this out to be a B movie, <laughs> and it's not. I was telling some people on Facebook and screenwriter that I'm going. I'm thinking about writing a. Uh, a screenplay on this. Yeah, and everybody's, there were some people who were assholes, but basically some people were saying, hey, wow. They were giving their thoughts, you know, their own thoughts. I agree with some of them. I, some I did not agree with. It's funny how people expect you to agree with them if you don't have a mind or a thought of your own, right? Uh, anyway, this is serious. I'm, I'm thinking I'm doing a screenplay about it if I do it, it'll be down the road at some point. Not now. Because I'm working on something else right now, and the thing about it, you know, as I mentioned before, movies are not being made; they're not going in production. Screenplays are being written, but they're just sitting up there on the shelf. This is bad. Movie theaters are closed throughout the United States. They are closed. This is going to wreak havoc on the movie. Excuse me, on the movie business. Uh, actors are going to be out of work. I mean, everybody is fucking out of work at this point. This is some serious stuff. And, and, and once again, I want to say my hats off to all the health workers and the nurse practitioners. They must be overwhelmed by now. they got my sympathy. They've got my support because they're the ones out there in the trenches right now. This COVID-19, they used to call it the coronavirus. Now it's COVID-19. I guess that makes it sound more official. I don't know. Um, Anyway, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We'll be back tomorrow. It seems like this is what we're going to be talking about tomorrow because this is what everybody else is talking about. And it seems like nothing else actually matters until we get this done. People are staying at home, which they should be, uh, to keep the virus from spreading, or if you are sick, Stay at home. But I recall not too long ago, people were just whether they were sick, they would still be going to work. Giving everybody else the fucking uh, flu or virus or whatever they're calling this. Some people are actually saying it's just a flu. You know, but there is documentation saying that more people have died from the flu than of this. But give this COVID-19 virus, give it some time. I think it's going to surpass uh, the number of people who have died from the flu. I think more people are going to be dying from this because I don't think this, it doesn't feel like this is over at no point, at any point that this is going to be over. So um, take precaution, do, uh, do what they tell you to do, do what your doctor tell you to do, do what your nurse tells you to do. It may be able to save your life or someone close uh, to you. Uh, This is very serious. I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. I mean, I have not seen anything. I've talked to people. They say the same thing. They have not seen anything like this in their entire life. But we're going through it. And then we have an ineffective leader in the White House, ineffective on all points. Remember when he called this a hoax? He should have jumped on it right then and there. I'm hearing that the guy knew all about this in 2019. Didn't do anything about it. He cut funding from uh, a governmental program that was set aside to fight stuff like this. He cut the funding from. Anything this jackass can cut the funding of, he will. He will because he wants that money to go in his pocket and in and in the rest of and into the rest of the republicans this is what he wants as i've said this guy's taking money from programs set aside for the middle class and the poor and giving it to the rich nothing but robin hood in the reverse robin hood in the reverse folks and we just got to get this guy out of there we got to get him out of there biden right now is going to win everything. He's more presidential and more concerned and he knows how to do things a lot better than this jackass does. This is why I think Trump is out there talking in out of his ass. He's out there is because he doesn't want Biden. Joe Biden, the guy who's going to be the uh nom- nominee for president of the United States. He doesn't want Biden to outshine him. The Biden, Biden outshine him. Joe Biden outshines this guy every time he's on stage and he speaks. Anybody, my son could outshine Donald Trump. A three-year-old, five-year-old could outshine Donald Trump. Because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And if it does seem as though he knows what he's doing, he's getting it from other people. Other people is telling him what they what he should tell us. And then he acts as if he um, thought of it all. When other people are whispering in his ear, telling him this, telling him that, tell him not to say that, tell him to say this, not to say that, but Donald Trump is ignorant. He'll say what he wants to say. Right now, he's in a, a, a election battle for his life, and he's still lying. All right, you've been listening to the George Mother Jr. Show, people. I hope you enjoyed the show. We're going to come back tomorrow and try to have, I have a clip here that I want to play of Lori Lightfoot the mayor of Chicago, because she said a lot of great things. I'm not totally a fan, but she did say a lot of great things. And I want to try and get that clip on tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's show, which is the same time as this show, is um, 6 o'clock p.m. Chicago time. Okay, maybe 7 o'clock p.m. your time. I don't know. It's 6, 6 o'clock Central uh, Standard Time. Oh, I always get that confused and mixed up, but it's six o'clock p m Chicago and if you missed the show, that's okay. just download it uh, listen to it later whenever you can. you don't have to but um, make sure you listen okay this is the George Wilder Junior show. We're signing off air off the air folks and um oh, um I'm sorry, folks, I'm sorry. Um, hope to see you soon tomorrow. Have a good evening. Have a good morning. Have a good afternoon. Whenever, wherever you find yourself listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, have a good one. And stay safe. Stay safe. Stay home. Stay home. Stay home. If you don't have to go out, if you have to go out and get food and supplies, stay calm. Stay calm. Stay calm. Stay, calm, stay protected. Okay, until this stuff is over. We will get over this. There's no doubt about it. It can last forever. It may last for a few more weeks, a couple more months, but we will get over it. We are going to laugh about it, hopefully. <laughs> all right. Bye, everybody. Take care. See you
8: tomorrow.